can go ahead and begin as people are filtering in. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. We are just a couple weeks from finishing up the winter trimester. Just a couple of weeks. Give yourselves a hand. Turn to the person next to you and let them know that we are going to make it. We're going to be okay. Notice the we. I want to highlight the we. We're in this together, right? We're in this together. Amen. Associated Student Government is going to be lead, leading us this evening. They're going to be ministering to us and also helping us hear from the Lord this evening. But before that, we want to begin with a song that declares God's holiness. Isaiah chapter 6 says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and a train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphs, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And that's what we want to do tonight. We want to declare um, his glory. This first song, it says, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. In the first verse, it says, We stand and lift up our hands. Notice it doesn't say, I stand. It says, we stand. And we're going we're gonna to worship together as one body, one spirit. We're gonna, it says, we stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so let us stand together this evening. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it tells us that we are one body. And by one spirit, we were baptized into one body. And so we're going to stand together. We're going to lift up our hands as one body, one spirit. We're going to bow down and worship our great God. Amen. Let us worship. I'd like to welcome all of you to our ASG Chapel. Let us pray together tonight. Our Father, our Lord, our God. Father, tonight, Lord, we come before you as one body, God, united in Christ. Father, tonight, we just pray to you. We've heard some news tonight, Lord, about the South Pacific and those earthquakes going on right now. Father, be with those that are right now, Lord. Tonight, Father, Lord, there are so many differences amongst us all. But Father God, you call us all together. As that song said, Lord, one spirit, one body, Father. One hope of our call, Lord. For, Father, you've called each and every one of us into this place tonight. We're here, Father God, open and obedient to you. Tonight, Lord, I just pray you would bless my brother as he comes to share the message with us tonight. Father God, we know the work he's put into it. Father God, we know the burden on his heart tonight, Father God. So, Lord, tonight as he speaks... Open our ears, Father God. Open our hearts, Lord God, that we can truly hear from you this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tonight, I'm, I'm lucky to introduce 
a guy that I've known for a few years now, a guy that I can call a true friend, my buddy, my brother, and a guy who's taught me along the way here, Chaplain Joel Patton. Good evening. Tell you what, it's hard to follow up that, isn't it? You know, I spent all week, and actually last week, because we were supposed to do this last week, writing, prepping, praying, thinking, battling with myself, asking the right questions, getting mostly the wrong answers half the time. How do we present a message that will impact our thinking, our understanding, our world? United we stand. Divided we fall. We've seen it across our country as far back as we can look in our history books. Further back than that. United States of America, right on our dollar bill. In unity we trust. I remember right after 9-11, front of Time magazine was a, a picture of a father with a little teeny girl on his shoulder and she had a sign, United we stand. It amazes me and troubles me at the same time, I have to admit. Why is it, with something of such great importance, do we as a country, do we as people, Americans, non-Americans, but most importantly believers, only gather together, only find unity in a time of crisis? Seems like if we go back all the way through biblical times, same story. We unite, we gather together, we fight, we battle, we pick it up, we follow God. We're right down the right track. Till we get comfortable. Till there's no more tragedy. Till there's no more trauma. Till there's no more blood. Till there's no more threat to our way of life, our way of faith, our way of belief. Then we fall back into our, our prey. Folks, I've tried to, over the last couple of weeks, find every instant that I could find where unity come together and stood. I have to sadly admit to you that no matter how much study and no matter how much reading, no matter how much looking, how many questions I asked, how many people I called, I couldn't find one instance where unity actually came together and never dissipated, where unity actually grew and brought us together and didn't stay where it was supposed to stay. It always, always has seemed to dissipate in some manner or another. You ask, is this an important topic. You might ask, does it matter? If I believe in Christ, if, if I walk with God, if, if, I, if I do what I'm supposed to do, do I have to have unity? I suggest to you this evening, and I hope to bring it to light very clearly, yes, it is probably the most important topic that we can look at as people, but most importantly, as believers. You see, if it wasn't so important, Jesus himself in John 17 wouldn't have taken the time in the Garden of Gethsemane, the eve of the cross, the night before he was hung, the night before he shed his blood for our sin, the night before he finished out what God had sent him to do. He spent very little time, we see, and one through five, he prays for himself. 6 through 19, he actually took the time to pray for the immediate disciples right around him. But he didn't stop there. We see in 
John 17, 20 through 26, he actually took the time to go past the present time and pray for each and every one of us sitting here now. I got to admit this is a little different, only being here for the last 19 years, seven years, five years. I keep waiting for Dr. Addig to put that five-minute sign up for me here. So feel, feel free, get me on the track there. You guys, unity is something that prefaces this. Beyond Jesus' death, he expected a, dy a dynamic and growing church. He expected a church that would last throughout the ages right up until now. When Jesus looked at the face of Peter in the circle of 11, he saw behind Peter the whole of the Pentecost, the thousands and thousands of more behind them. You suppose when he looked at the face of John, he saw the church of Ephesus and all the churches of Asia Minor? When he glanced around and saw the gap where Judas of Iscariot had been, surely we have to understand that he most likely thought of the face of Paul and all the European churches. That's not where he stopped. Crossing generations and oceans right down to this very moment, Jesus himself, in that last moment in the garden, prayed for you, for me, for our unity, for our way of life. He prayed the one thing, that was unity. He prayed for all believers to have that unity, so the unity, now listen to this, so the unity of Christians would make such an impact that the world would believe that God truly sent his son. Look with me here. John 17, 20 through 26, you can follow along in your Bible, or it'll be right up here with me. Got there, didn't I? My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me, though their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. I'm not sure where that one goes. Sorry. I should have let this guy in the back do this. Where'd I stop? I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I hope we can see clearly in there that Jesus prayed for several things. First of all, Jesus prays for unity of the church. If you stop and think about what was going on, Jesus knowing what was going to happen, Jesus knowing his destiny that next day. I got to feel that most of us would have stopped to pray for ourselves a whole lot more than Jesus did. I think it's pretty vital that we understand the importance of his prayer. He knew that the church could never make the impact on the world that he wished it to make unless spiritual, spirituality the world saw in the church is a oneness of unity. The churches of our world have never seemed to take this as serious as what Jesus intended for it to be. 
You notice first, uh, back in 11, we didn't read it, but back in 11, Jesus prayed for the unity of the original disciple group. This had to trouble him. If we look back the night before the Garden of Gethsemane or hours before, Jesus' prayers brings out this, this need for unity. When you look at the first 11, the disciples that were around him, that walked with him, that were taught by him, that saw the glory firsthand, this importance that he saw, I mean, right away, we can go right back to James and John battling for right and left hand of Jesus. We can see the great tensions to see. Not too, many, not too long, a few hours before Jesus was in the garden praying, there was an argument between the disciples of who was the greatest and who wasn't the greatest. We see things like Matthew the publican, who seemed to have sold out to Rome. Simon Peter the zealot, who had previously pledged to kill people like Matthew. These are Jesus' 11, his 12, his disciples. Is it such a far stretch that we today, no matter where we come from, no matter who we are, whether it be race, color, background, doctrine, denomination, culture, heritage, creed, thank you, Are we so different? Do we not face the same battles? Do we not understand? There was a study done. Jordan, uh, J. Gordon Melton, he's a Methodist minister a while back. When he did the study, he was trying to determine exactly how many denominations. From what I understand, when he gave up, he had stopped at right around 12,000 denominations of churches. Found some of them interesting. Um, I just wrote down a couple here that I thought were quite unique. The Church of Kennedy Worshippers. It's a church which actually believes that they can pray to the late John F. Kennedy. Church of Ministry of Universal Wisdom. They look at flying saucers. Church of What's Happening Now. We won't even go there. I can't, even, I can't even justify just defining that one. But the funny part was is that he come back with his own Methodist church and found that it had split in several directions. He had counted almost 20 different Baptist churches. We see our own church as far as my own church, sorry, the Nazarene church still being unified, but depending on what part of the country, we believe a little differently than what each other do as far as we follow a little sterner, a little less stern, however we find that. Folks, are you getting a picture here? I think we are. I had a picture up here a minute ago, and I lost it. I apologize. Box of crayons seems kind of silly, doesn't it? No? You like crayons? You know, if you go up in North Academy, there's a Denny's. If you walk in behind the cashier, you'll see one of my famous portraits. I signed it. My daughter won't color anymore, but I sure like it. Stay with my IQ level. Think about this, guys. A box of crayons looks like a box of crayons. We all know what it is. It's a box of crayons. When you look at it in its pure form, there's a lot of colors, a lot of uses. In the hands of an artist or a small child, every one of those colors has a purpose. They were gathered together in this box to be what they were supposed to be, unified, an artist can take that box and create something wonderful, magnificent, beautiful, 
something that you can't see anywhere else. But you take a few of those out, or you have a few of those, throw a few of the other ones out, and you put that in the same hands, we no longer get the same portrait, do we? We end up coming short. Whether they've got torn paper, whether they're a little shorter than the other one, whether they've been worn down, whether they're the cheap ones from the dollar store that don't color so well and you have to push really hard, and the right hands can make a beautiful picture. But it has to be unified. Folks, I gotta shut my notes. As I pray about this all week, it's important for me to bring out the topic. When I was asked to do this service, I gotta admit, I was a little tentative because this topic has such an impact on us. I've been at school for several years now. Yes, I learned slow. I bring the short bus. But I like being here. But in those few years, I've realized a few things, and I want to share those with you tonight. No more sermon, no more notes. Do you mind if I talk freely? I hope so, because I'm going to anyway. That's the way it is. God called each and every one of us here for a purpose. We didn't just wake up one morning and say, I'm just going to stop by the NBC and see if I can get an education. Somebody said, laid something on your heart, whether it was you or God or your friends or your church or your family or your cousin or whoever it was, somebody put something in your mind and your heart that you need to come over here and you need to pay attention and you need to get an education so you go out there and help grow God's kingdom. Some of us come from Texas. I saw somebody out there. Some of us come from Oklahoma. Some of us even come from Illinois. Some of us from Iowa. You know, some of us don't speak very good English. Some of us can't write legibly. We all got a purpose, folks. I got to thinking back, how many stories can I come up with? How, 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 how can I impact this? I was about seven years old. Sitting right here in this chapel. My dad was a student here. A few of the instructors, and I won't say who, was around them. <laughs> Didn't look so different. Didn't look so different. Folks, I got called out of school one day. My mom picked me up. She took us over to the hospital, Presbyterian down there. Walked into the hallway, and I was told my dad wouldn't make it through the night. He had massive ulcers bleeding out. They said they lost all but 3% of his blood. Over a three-hour period, he went from having black hair to silver hair. Hard hit. You know, I'd been to class many times. I'd sat here and listened to some of the great professors of the past. When my mom took us in to say goodbye, my dad says, nah, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. He says, there's people fighting for me. God's one of them. I got to admit, I was amazed when I walked out of that hospital room. And as I turned the corner, I looked up and down the hallways of that hospital, and there was Nazarene Bible College students lined as far as I could see. On their knees, next to the halls, the nurses were aggravated. They were blocking doors. They were blocking carts. They were blocking pretty much anything you could block. And I swear to you, it, both sides of the hallway was NBC students. Some of them knew my dad. Some of them didn't. Some of them just picked up a phone and come along. But they are all there praying. Folks, after getting to know them over the years, they weren't all from the same town. They weren't all from the same denomination. They didn't all think exactly alike. 
but they believed in God. They believed in service. They believed in unity, and they believed in sticking together. Next afternoon, my dad put on his pants, walked out of that hospital. He's still with us today. I got to wrap it up. I know that. My time in the military taught me a lot of things. I went into battle many times, and I've seen a lot of battles. I prayed a lot. Bring, bring me home. There was guys I couldn't stand. There was guys that just the day before, we duped it out behind the barracks, try to settle our differences. But I promise you one thing. When the bullets started flying, when the heat got raised, he was my best friend. And together, we came home. Together, we made it to the end of that battle. What's my point here? We have to ask ourselves that in closing. The other thing I've learned over my years here at NBC, especially the last few years, and I'm not going to point my fingers at anybody because I don't know most of y'all personally, but I have seen and I've been witnessing in classes in the hallways. Folks, we're not united anymore. Some of us are, some of us aren't. If you are, amen. If you're not, shame on us. We're not united anymore. I've had discussions in classrooms. I've heard discussions in classrooms that people want to tear each other up. I've witnessed people in classrooms just getting smacked down because they thought just a little bit differently. I've had people walk out of classrooms so hurt and brokenhearted that they wanted to quit class and go back to their hometown. I've seen people go out and cry. I've heard them pray. I've heard them ask God, what am I here for? Folks, I ask you, I plead with you, I beg you tonight. God called us here for a reason. I don't care if you're Nazarene, Methodist, Baptist, Catholic. I don't care if you don't even have a denomination. I don't care if you go to church and you're just here looking for God. Jesus stopped on the night of the cross, the eve of the cross, when he knew he was going to hang and shed his blood for us. He could have prayed for a lot of things. He could have come down. He could have called for angels to pick him up. He could have asked God to relieve him of the responsibilities. But guys, he did not do that. He stopped and he did one thing. He prayed for unity knowing that only a unified country, only a unified church, only a unified group of believers and followers would be powerful enough to show this world that God sent his son. When you walk out of here tonight, I want you guys, as silly as it sounds, look at yourself as a crayon. It's easy enough. Some of us have the silver lining. Some of us have tattered wrappers. Some of us are a little shorter, not so sharp. Some of us are those big honking crayons that you have to hang on with your hand. <laughs> Some of us are those cheap ones from the dollar store that don't color very well. Some of us are those high-end ones that color really pretty. But folks, God created us for one thing. He asked us to be one thing. Jesus clarified in his final prayer, without unity, we do not have a chance of existing. Without unity, we can't represent. Folks, last Sunday, there was people all over this country that weren't in church because a lot of us believers are not acting unified when we're out in our work jobs, our job sites, our schools. You fix that, but I promise you, here underneath the roof of NBC. We best be unified. We best start loving each other. You know, a good debate's good. 
but do it with respect. Do it with unity. And when you're done with that debate, hug your brother, hug your sister, and say, you know what, we serve the same God. We're going to come out of here with some answers sooner or later. When we get back to our calling, our church, our field, our town, our country, our lives, we are going to pick it up, and we're going to carry forward, and we're going to be what God called us to be. And if you see somebody not loving their brother that way, not being unified, call them on it. Pull them aside and say, you know what, love your brother. It hurts to be torn down in a classroom. It hurts to be torn down in the country. It hurts to be torn down in your church. In closing, I do, I beg, I plead. Think about what you say first. And make sure that if you're going to have a good debate, which is healthy, don't get me wrong, before you say something to your brother here in the classrooms, remember, they may think differently. They may look differently. They may act differently. But God called them here just the same as you. You guys stand and close with me in prayer. And as you do, do me a favor. Don't be a shy. Reach out and grab your neighbor. Let's hold on to each other. Let's, let's be unified just once tonight. And when we walk out of here, let's have the courage and the hopes that we can be what God called us to be. Because I know each and every one of us are here for that very reason and fighting for the same things. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity that we get to be here with our, our brothers, our sisters, our family here at NBC, Lord. We thank you for the ability to, to share these words that you've laid on my heart, Lord, that it is so important. Lord, we ask that you have opened up the minds, the hearts, the ears of these folks. There's a lot of them here that didn't need this message, Lord. We know that, but it doesn't hurt to remind us. But if there is anybody here, Lord, that, that did need a reminder drastically on this, we ask that we walk out of here and we can be the children of God you called us to be that we can be unified in nature, that we can represent not only ourselves, but you to our fellow students, to our town, to our churches, to our families. Lord, we do understand clearly now that Jesus prayed so diligently for our unity because without that unity, we might as well just turn our back on the cross. We might as well roll the stone back over the grave. We might as well just reject everything that we've learned. Lord, we ask you to guide us through this unity process that you keep it on our minds and our hearts, that we can be what you called us to be. Father, we pray this in your son's name. And everybody says, amen. amen. Guys, dismissed. Thank you.